Blog Talk Radio.
But how in the world, and in Ohio State even leads in the coaches' poll. So how in the world can the, them Bamas justify not having Ohio State as the top seed in that and then, you know, Baylor being the second one? I don't understand that. It uh, seems like the Big Ten, the Big Ten, and the Big Twelve aren't getting any love. Well, I can't really say too much about the SEC. I mean, they have been the most consistent dominant conference over the past decade. The Big Ten is returned to being a power, being a powerhouse that it once was. Ohio State with Urban Meyer has been a different team. This is the this is the old Ohio State that I remember that beat Miami in a national title game over ten years ago. Honestly, I think this squad might be better than that squad. Now, for Baylor, like I don't know. Like I mean, they probably base this on the strength of schedule. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, like I said, I still, I just don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand how those two teams are not the top two seeds. Like maybe, maybe as the season progresses, maybe it'll work itself out. Because I know the playoff is the top four teams yeah. that get into the, you know, the playoff games and go for the national championship. At which point, you know, I'm, you know, I really, I'm, I'm fine with that. But I just still don't understand how is it that. You know, Baylor, like Ohio State and Baylor are not the top two. I just, you know, that just escapes me right now. I mean, I mean, I can't really explain it. I really can't explain it. I mean, at this point, I'm just going to say it is what it is. But uh, I'm not going to take nothing away from Clemson, though. Because they pretty much ran away with that ACC. I mean, yes, Duke was undefeated. Until they lost to Miami, <laughs> that was a fluke. It was because I mean it was so many missed calls on that, <laughs> including that very last play. That was a definite missed call. Matter of fact, the referee crew got suspended for that. Yeah, they did. That, I mean, that's what I was really referring to, though. I mean, that last play yeah. had. I mean, they missed a block. They missed a block in the back. Once the receiver caught the ball. Uh, let's see. All the laterals. I didn't. I didn't know a lateral was still alive once they hit the ground. I mean, uh, technically, in some some perspectives, it's supposed to be considered a fumble. But at the same right. time, I I didn't know. You know, you could just pick pick it off the ground and just keep going with it. But anyway. But yeah, I mean, and then and then apparently one of the guys' knees was down also, but they they, they missed yeah. that. And it's like, yeah. you know, like I said, that play shouldn't even happen. It should have been blown dead, and Duke would be still undefeated. They basically got hosed. Yeah, pretty much. And they had replay. That's what makes it even worse. They went and looked at it on the replay and still called it a touchdown, even though it was obvious that there was, there was like a couple missed – Missed things there, and it's like, what? Like, are you serious? Are you serious right now? That's gonna be one of those plays that's gonna be looked at for years. Uh, yeah. Like, how do you? I mean, I understand you miss one call, but how do you miss every call on that play? From the block in the back, from the knee band down, from I mean, really? Like, seriously. I can understand how that whole officiating crew got suspended. I mean, it makes sense. Oh, man. Well, let's move on to baseball. DC, welcome your new skipper of the National of the Washington National, Mr. Dusty Baker. Now that, that is, Dusty that Baker. That is a great hire. That is a great hire, I got to say, because I followed Dusty Baker throughout mo- his entire managerial career, and he is definitely a very, very competent and successful manager. 
Now, granted, he hasn't been able to lead teams to the World Series. He is, again, a very competent and very successful manager. He's won division championships. He's molded men into very, you know, very good teams. I mean, it just, yeah. I just love this. I love this hire. I love it. Honestly, when we first hired Blackout, I was I was in two moves sold on it. Then when they actually changed their mind and went with Dusty Becker, I was completely sold. Dusty Becker has been to a World Series. He lost the O2 to the, the Angels when he was uh, the manager for the San Francisco Giants. Exactly. I remember that, I remember that World Series like it was yesterday. The very first pitch to Barry Bond, he knocked the ball straight into McCovey Cole. Like, I mean, just that image. Pitches throws the mm-hmm. ball. Barry knocks it out of the park. The pitch, pitch just looks over, looks at the ball like, okay, <laughs> this is how my night is going to be. I mean, exactly. honestly, I thought I thought the Giants had that series. That was a great series, though. Bro. It is what it is. But Dusty Baker has been he has been to the mountaintop. He hasn't won. But he has been to the mountaintop. He's been to the World Series. Can he get the Nationals to that next step? Honestly, I believe he can. I mean, this this is a team that already has the talent. So it's like he's not really coming in to rebuild the whole entire staff. He's not building a whole he's not coming in to re, rebuild a whole team. I mean, he might bring he he's going to bring some players in, but he already has a team that can win. Now, indeed, indeed, and I know one thing about Dusty Baker, he's not going to pull a Matt Williams and misuse his bullpen. He will use that bullpen the correct way, and he will be a master strategist when it comes to what he has to do as the you know the boss there. Right, man. I'm excited about I mean, this. I'm gonna tell you something. I am too. I can't. I can't even think. Like, I mean, this is possibly the most exciting. Uh, excited I've been about baseball in a very long time. I take that back now. The World Series. <laughs> yep. Speaking of the World man. Series, congratulations to the Kansas City Royals. Their first championship in thirty in thirty plus years. In a 30, very 30. dominant performance against the Met, uh, against the Mets. Now, Sam, you remember before the World Series? Well, you remember in the beginning of the season when I said the Chiefs was going to take—I mean, the Royals were going to take it this year. You did. Then, right before the World Series, I, I called this series being over within five to six games. I think we both I mean, said that. I think we both said that the fact that the Royals made the World Series for a second straight season, that this was second straight year, that this was going to be their year. This is going to be the year that they win it, and sure enough, boom, they now stand as World Series champions. I mean, I mean, once they tied it at the top of the ninth, two-two. I mean, the Mets still did fate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, it took an extra three endings, but hey. It is what it is. I mean, once I mean, once that game got once game five got tied, I mean that was it. But I mean, take nothing away from the Mets, though. Those guys, I mean, they played a heck of a season too uh, to get to that point. Division champs then ended up be, getting the NL pennant and getting to that point. They had a pretty good season, but I mean, they're going to look at it as it wasn't a good season because they didn't win the big trophy. But I think they got something to build on for uh, next season, which is going to be – this could be a very good season for them next year. But, you know, considering that, you know, we got Dusty Baker here, the NL East could be definitely a very competitive uh, division uh, for next year with Dusty Baker at the helm and in, in here in D.C. And then the Mets coming back with some of their talent and then – you never know. Atlanta might be on the come up and, you know, can't count out Philly. Philly might be, you know, uh, the Phils, Phillies might be might be creeping on the come up as well. 
Yeah, you might be right. It should be awesome. It should be very awesome. So what else we um, got, man? We 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 just going through it. You know, your one of your favorite sports, the NBA. They're back on. They're back on the court doing their thing and everything. San Antonio Spurs once again, the uh, the defending NBA champions. Well, technically, the defending NBA champions are the uh, Golden State Warriors. Oh yeah, that's San right. right. Damn. Uh, yes. Two of my favorite teams played tonight, and the Wizards won. One hundred two ninety nine. They beat my. They beat the Spurs. Like I mean. It sucks when two of your favorite teams play against each other because you actually have to pick one. But it was, I didn't even see the game, but the Wizards pulled off a tough win. I must say. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing to keep an eye on when it comes to the NBA season, that the Wizards have progressively gotten better over the last, a few seasons, you know, before they used to be the cellar dwellers in the Eastern Conference, and, you know, teams would see them on their schedule and mark that as an automatic win. If they played them more than once, they'd be like, oh, that's two or three wins right there. But, you know, now it's not as it's not that it's not that simple. It is not that simple when it comes to playing uh, the Wiz kids. You know, the Wiz kids actually come out and they ball. You worried about that? Well, I mean, I'm, this, I'm, this, I want to see. I want to see so, what they're gonna do like, though. I mean, they will be in the playoffs. I mean, there's no doubt of that. Like towards the uh, the year before they got good, I want to say 2012, when they actually started winning games. I mean, I saw a spark in the team. Like, okay, he's letting them. He's letting John Wall run this team. He's letting John Wall run his offense, which John Wall should have been doing since day one. I mean, I saw clips of that before before they turned it around the following season. Season later, they ain't in the playoffs. So, I want to ask you this question. In your opinion, who is the favorite to come out of the East and be in the finals, and who's your favorite come in, out, coming out of the West? I mean, I want to say it's too early. I mean, it's too early to really tell, but right now, I still have to favor Cleveland by a little bit because of the simple fact that they do have LeBron. <laughs> okay. The only way Cleveland doesn't make it to, back to the finals is if Kevin Love and Kyrie either can't jail with LeBron or they both go down a month before the playoffs. And LeBron really has to carry that load by himself. Not saying that LeBron mm-hmm. can't do it. There's a lot of teams in the East that getting better. I mean, the Wizards have gotten better. The Raptors are a tough team. The Bulls are a tough team. The Knicks, I don't know. I can't put them up there yet, but they have gotten better. I mean, the Eastern Conference is always wide open. On the West, Mm. I'm going to predict between the Spurs and the Warriors. Honestly, I'm going to give the Spurs the edge for the simple fact that they actually had the most complete team out of the two. I mean, yes, it's early, and the Spurs have already lost two games. But this is the San Antonio Spurs. I don't think this will be the year that age actually determines their fate. I mean... With Lamarcus Aldridge, with David West coming off the bench, with Patty Mills getting more playing time, this Spurs—I mean, this Spurs team—is still a, a legitimate team. I mean, Golden State doesn't have a chance to repeat, 
But that chance is very slim because, I mean, the Western Conference is the Western Conference. It's a slug fight or it's a slug fight throughout the entire playoffs. I mean, from one to eight, it doesn't matter. I mean, y'all heard it here first. First, y'all hear it here, folks. That you know, Chills is predicting Cleveland out of the East and Spurs out of the West. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying it now. I mean, I was right about baseball. I think I'm gonna be right about basketball. Uh, overall, I, I think a Western Conference team will still win the NBA title. I don't think no team in the East is strong enough to compete with a Western Conference team. The Spurs. Let me tell you something. Chill. Let me tell you something, Chills. If you write about this one, then homie, I'm gonna be asking you for lottery numbers, bruh. Shoot, I wish I could pull lottery numbers together. <laughs> I mean, if you get this right, then you might be able to, man. You might have to help me out, man. If you help me out, man, I'll make sure I break your peace, man. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, that's a bet, then. Or at least, or at least <laughs> I'm going to uh, start betting on sports now. Yeah. At least, at least start there first. Right, right. So, let's get, let's get into the NFL. Did you happen to watch? That shootout in New Orleans between the Giants and the Saints. Did you watch that? I don't want to talk about it. I'm still upset that I did not talk to my man. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, bruh. You know, uh, I, 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 I'm sorry for you, man. You know, I, 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 had, to, I had to beat you in that matchup, right? Yeah, I know, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's right, yeah. I, mean, I remember that. You watched Eli on the bench on my on my app. Now I see him throwing six throwing six touchdowns. I mean, four in the first half. Like, really? Where was this last week when he was playing the Cowboys? Really? The one week I actually went with Andy Dalton over you, over you, Eli. He, Andy Dalton has had a hot hand. The one week I go to him, he choked. I, I don't hmm. get it, but I mean, yes, it was. I mean, it was a great game to watch. I mean, it's been a while since we had a shootout of that caliber. Man, man, what? Man, listen, Drew Brees went out there and lit. Drew Brees and Eli went out there and just lit it up. Lit it up. I mean, it was like, just, it was just awesome to see. It almost looked like a Madden game on rookies. <laughs> man, it was. It, it was, it was pretty much a man, a man game with family play on it. Yes, Madden had a family play, also known as easy play, where it, I mean it was a step below rookie, where you had simple plays. You didn't have flea flickers and quick slants. You had run pass. Those were your options, <laughs> right? You didn't have shotguns and eye formations and and weak eye, weak formation, strong formation. You didn't have a you didn't have a full house. You just had pass and run. That's whatever matter me. Bruh, listen listen to these stats. Listen to listen to these stats. All right, Drew Brees, thirty nine of fifty. 505 yards, seven touchdowns, two picks, 131.7 quarterback rating. Boom. Eli Manning, 30 of 41, 350 yards, six touchdowns, and a 38.2 quarterback rate with no picks. That That is freaking insane. That is insane. Like, these, both of these teams combined to throw for 834 Yards against only 190 yards rushing. So basically, almost 90 percent, 90 to 92 percent of their offensive total offensive yardage came through the air. 
Yeah. And you don't I mean, believe that this is – and if anybody believes that this is not a quarterback-driven league, needs to look at that game and, yeah, <laughs> because that just shows you right there that this is definitely a quarterback-driven league. Because that was just amazing. Yeah, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, it was amazing. It was great for ratings. It was great for the NFL. Uh, that was perfect example why you need a quarterback in this league <laughs> to be able to just have games like that. I mean, both quarterbacks were not were were taking a lot of heat early in the season, but after that game, like they both put up MVP caliber performances. I mean, anytime you can lose a game by throwing for six touchdown passes, that should tell you something. Exactly. That was that was the first shootout we had really in a while. I mean, we we right. don't get we don't get these type of games out of Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. Speaking of Peyton Manning, he managed to go out and end the undefeated streak of the Packers. Man, Aaron Rodgers. I think that was the worst game he's played in, in years on Sunday night. It was. I got to give so much credit to that Denver Broncos defense. If you can shut down Aaron, Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers offense, hold Aaron Rodgers to 77 yards passing, your defense is unstoppable. Your defense can shut anything down. I'm sorry. Denver is winning it all. Speaking of Denver now, a blockbuster trade was made a couple of days ago. Denver's got VD, and not in that way. Yes. The Denver Broncos, Broncos traded for tight end Vernon Davis for two six-round picks. Honestly, I can't blame San Francisco because at, at this point now, they're just pretty much trying to throw their hand, like like the state's team. You're at the point where you're, somebody's about to go out, you just start throwing out your all your high cards, trying to lessen them, worsen your, uh, worsen your uh, loss. Right now, teams like the 49ers, teams like the Browns, they're trying to get rid of all these high players that they have. So hopefully be able to get something to rebuild with. San Francisco's a mess right now, bro. Oh, it's, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, Colin Kaepernick is getting benched. Is now benched for Blaine Gabbitt. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that, that – <laughs> there is a reason that the Jaguars – got rid of Blaine Gabbert to begin with. There's a reason for that. And that reason is that he's God awful. But yet they're gonna they're they're basically saying that he's gonna give them the best chance of winning over who somebody who they signed to be their franchise quarterback in Colin Kaepernick. What? Like how does that make any kind of fucking sense? Okay. I think I, I think I got a little breakdown on this. Okay. Here's what I here's what I think. Now that Harbor is gone, Colin Kaepernick is no longer in the offense that is tailor made to his strengths as a quarterback. With that being said, it's the it's part of the reason why he's had struggle this season. He's no longer he no longer has that head coach who can actually coach to his ability and bring out and make him actually shine. He no longer has that offensive coordinator to do that to do that. Now you insert their new coach. Totally different system, totally different offense. It doesn't fit property. Also that offensive line of the 49ers isn't what it used to be either. Yeah. 
I mean, last season, last season was a clear indication because he got, I think he was one of the most fat quarterbacks last year, if not number one. But, I mean, I looked at this team ever since they lost to Seattle in the NFC Championship a couple of years ago. They haven't been the same. It's like they they really deteriorated. <laughs> Are they also? I mean, look at all the talent that they have lost over this past offseason. I mean, defense, offense. I mean, this is not the same team <clears throat> that it once was. So, I mean, you can't really say, well, you can't really, well, well, technically it's 49 stuff, but you cannot blame it on Colin Kaepernick. He's in, he was in a effed-up situation. He really has nothing around him. I mean, yes, they did bring in Torrey Smith, but, I mean, what else do we have? I mean, Torrey Smith, Bowden, what else does he have? I mean, they also started a new running back. <laughs> Carlos Hyde went there, so... They got this, they pick, they got some guy that they picked up off the street. Sure. Well, I mean, how about that's, what about those apparently that's the <laughs> you you can tell that the Cowboys aren't doing too well because the Cowboys fans on on social media have been very has been very very quiet. Man, they didn't want. They want half of them are killed themselves. Damn suicide watch. They suicide watch been passed. Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, that defense has gotten better since uh Greg Hardy has returned, but it's not helping because I mean, they can't move the ball. Greg Hardy is a hothead, dude. But the Cowboys knew that when he signed them, though. Exactly. So, I mean, what you expect? I mean, you thought he was going to change in one season? Yeah, Greg one Hardy's hour. a hothead, and Des. Greg Hardy's a hothead, and Des Bryant's a douchebag. Des is a douche. I mean, as much as I respect his athletic ability, he's a douche. He really is. He really is. He came back after being out with that broken foot, come out, and he only had two catches. And then apparently a report came out that said that he was cussing out reporters in the locker room, telling them to get the fuck away from him and all this other stuff. I'm like, dude, you're a douche. Did you see what he was saying? What he, what they read his lips to say after, uh, after that, after that dude got knocked unconscious out on the field after he got hit on the punt. Yeah, Ricardo Lockett. Yeah, he looked like he was saying that's what the fuck he gets, and I'm, everybody was just like, "Yeah, you're really a douche, dude." He actually tried to clear it up on his Twitter from us. He had never said nothing like that. He had never wished that on nobody. But I mean, based, looking at his past, I mean, I can't really, can't really find a, any reasonable doubt to really believe this guy. Real talk, man. I he sits there, he'll say that. I'm like, the devil is a motherfucking liar, and so are you, sir. Yeah. And the bottom line is, that's what he was caught on camera saying. So I mean, he can't just. You know, you can't go on your Twitter and claim you didn't say it. I mean, everybody and their mama saw you say it. So don't sit there and try to, you know, say you didn't say it. You know, that, you know. Let's let's be honest. I mean, I mean, if you read his list, I mean, he looked like what he is. He looked like he said it, but I mean, I didn't hear it. But I'm I'm just gonna, I don't know. Like I said, I mean, this guy has a history of doing 
similar shit. So it's like you really can't give them benefit of the doubt. It's what happens right. when when you want to be a bad boy, when you want to be a badass. I mean, shit like this happens. Exactly. 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 I mean, and that's where something he's got to learn. Like, hey, chill, real quick, you know, not to get too off the off the beaten path, but uh, breaking you know, news that came, story that came out earlier this afternoon, uh, as many people know, Ryan Fitzpat- Fitzpatrick, who's been the starter for the Jets since Geno Smith was out with a broken jaw, he actually had to leave the game, their game uh, week eight. Uh, had to leave his game week eight with a with a torn ligaments in his uh, non throwing thumb, and the talk was that he may not be able to play. He may be out for a while. This that, and the third. Well, apparently, head coach Todd Bowles announced today on Wednesday that he practiced fully and that he will start on uh, Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he will start, which is good for me. Because, you know, my other quarterback that I had on my fantasy team in my other league was Alex Smith, and he's on a bye. So I was like, you know, I went out and actually went and picked up another quarterback off the waiver wire, hopefully. But seeing that he's actually going to play and he's going to have a protective glove on his hand and and everything like that, I'm like, okay, cool. I don't have to worry about that. But he will actually play on, uh, on Sunday. He played the he played the nine o'clock game. Yeah, he let's played the nine about, o'clock game. Let's talk about the ass whooping the Kansas City Chiefs put on. Play play, <laughs> bruh. <laughs> nah, the Chiefs put the ass whooping on the on the Lions. Yeah, that's what it was. It was Detroit, bruh, bruh. So right after Detroit got touchdown, that was it. That was, I mean, murder she wrote. <laughs> Here's like, how it I mean, went. It was like, it was like Detroit got the field goal early in the, like midway through the first yeah. quarter. After that, it was just, it was just, it was on. It was on. Yeah, just put it on. I mean, it was, it was nothing Detroit was able to do. So I'm kind of pissed off. I'm kind of pissed, just like how you're pissed off that you didn't start Eli. I'm pissed off I didn't start Alex Smith because he had been struggling for me recently, so I decided to sit him down for Fitzpatrick, and he turned around and had three total touchdowns in that game. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, why do you do this to me, you piece of crap? Honestly, like, this would have been a week out of thought of Alex Smith, considering that Detroit's defense isn't nothing. I mean, this is the worst defense they've had since 2008. And that's saying a lot. I mean, I look at this Detroit team, and between them, the Cowboys, <laughs> who's another one in sixteen, one in seven. I mean, those those bottom teams just look horrible. Like, honestly, I think Detroit will have the first overall pick this year. Here's here's my question though. So if Detroit does get that first overall pick. Where will they rebuild at? Will it be the offensive line, the defensive line? Hell, will it even be be a quarterback? That's a good damn question, yo. That's a good damn question. I mean, what is their confidence in Matthew Stafford now? Because, I mean, on one possession, he got sacked three straight times. Three straight times. Like, I don't remember the last time I've seen that in a game. I mean, I don't know, bro. It's like he had so many issues now. I mean, them next to Sam Fran, they're going off I mean, any time with the Raiders and Jacksonville Jaguars look better than you do, it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Raiders are looking good right now. And I picked them as one of my surprise teams, too. 
I feel so I feel so proud. <laughs> Honestly, I think the Raiders will make I think the Raiders will make the playoffs. They'll possibly be a five or six seed. One likely they'll be a six seed. But this is a very young team. Reggie McKenzie has done a hell of a job bringing in talent. I mean, he's not Amari no Cooper is that dude. Amari Cooper he's, is that dude, man. He's freaking awesome. He was NFL ready. David Carr, look, Derek Carr was ready. You give him a real number one receiver. You give him a run game. You give him. You build an offensive line before he even got there. Like. How many teams have done that? Built the line before the quarterback gets there. He, I mean, that, that openly defense isn't nothing to joke with either. Like, they played the Jets like the Jets were nothing. I mean, the Jets were number one against the run. So they challenged their receivers. They, I mean, they challenged their DBs. They challenged that pass defense. And they, I mean, they the Derek Carr lit them up. I mean, Indeed. it wasn't shocking that Tom Brady did it because, I mean, Tom Brady has been lighting up defenses for years. But to watch a second-year quarterback come in and torch him like that? Yeah. I think this Oakland Raiders team is not in the mess with. They can't beat a lot of teams. And they will yes, they can. Exactly. I mean, I, exactly. They, that impresses. I mean, don't be surprised if you actually see them with nine wins this year. Because I mean, they all—they are already four and four. I mean, I look at this team and like, and I just say to myself, like. They can be something serious within the next couple of next couple of seasons, because I mean they're still young. They still have years to get better. I mean, you have your number one receiver who came out a year after your franchise quarterback. Tavius Murray is only in his second or third season. Khalil Mack is in his third season. I mean, that Raiders talent. God, it's still it's young and it's raw. And shout out to Charles Woodson. That's what I was about to say, old man Charles. Currently, who he's currently the oldest defensive back, last player in the league, but yet he leads the NFL with interceptions. Like, how do you feel about that? Man, Uncle Charles is doing it out there, man. That's what I'm calling Uncle Charles, man. He's out there doing it, man. But it just shows you how, you know, he's kept himself in shape, kept himself game in game shape to be able to still go and keep up with some of these young receivers and put in that work and, you know, be able to, you know, be a leader on that defense. I mean, yes, it was like you, you, you look at him like, this Charles, this Oakland Raiders Charles Woodson looks better than the first Oakland Raiders Charles Woodson. I mean, he's more established. He's more seasoned as a veteran. He's more experienced. He can read offenses. He can read receivers. He can read quarterbacks well. I mean, he just makes plays on defense. And, yes, he has kept himself in shape. Like, a few years ago, I, nobody would have – thought he would be looking better at, at this age than Champ Bailey would. Now, I'm saying Charles, damn near 40, he's balling better than Champ was in his last year with the Broncos. And he was only the third. He, he was the nickel DB getting burnt. Yes, I, yeah. I, I still remember that Super Bowl. Auto lock in to save his life. Yeah, poor guy. 
And like, hey, yo, real talk though, real talk, Ricardo Lockett, man, say a prayer for that dude, man, because man, he took a shot, a shot, like he got hit so hard, he literally fell to the ground limp. I was like really scared for that dude, man, but I'm glad that he, you know, it was just a concussion. He didn't have any, you know, damage to his spine, and he can move his limbs and everything. He was able to move his arms when he was leaving off the field on the cart. So, you know, you know, prayers out to him, you know, for a, a speedy recovery and, you know, being able to, you know, get back to doing what he does and, you know, playing the game that he loves. That is so true, but – uh Back to the Raiders though, because you that shot that you mentioned, it it made me think about another shot that I saw, that I saw on Sunday. Former mm-hmm. Washington Redskins and Oakland Raider David Emerson laid out Geno Smith. Geno takes off for about a twenty thirty yard gain, scrambling. He's running up the sideline, and out of nowhere, Emerson. Laid him out. Like that's the hardest I've ever seen David Emerson like hit anyone. But the, the way he laid you know, I got a question for you, bro. What is it uh, with players who leave the Redskins, go elsewhere, and all of a sudden start balling? What is up with that? You want you you want my you want my opinion? Yes, please. I wouldn't have asked if I didn't want your opinion, bro. Okay, here it is. We don't develop our talent. We I don't agree with develop you. our talent. That, I mean, I agree with that's you. what it is. I mean, every player that has left here has had a better career. Well, I ain't gonna say every player, but a good percentage of them have left here. And had good careers. I mean, Trent Green left here, became an all-pro quarterback with the Kansas City Chiefs. Desmond Howard, Super Bowl MVP. Yes, I mean, he was only great for one game, but, hey, he did it on the bigger stage. I mean, David Emerson is looking decent. I will say Rackpo, but Rackpo is non-existent. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Rack could stay on the but, field, though. That's the only thing about it. Yeah, I know. It wasn't even the fact that he couldn't stay on the field. It's the fact that he never developed any other pass rushing techniques. That was one of the main reasons why he was let go this past offseason, because he didn't want to learn any other techniques. He relied on his on his speed. You can't do that in the NFL. You have to learn how to get around linemen besides having great speed because when you go head up against a great tackle, especially on the left side, you're going to have to learn how to get around without your speed because some of these some of these women are quick enough to slow you down, to knock you on your butt and protect the quarterback's right side. There are a lot of linemen that can run a six, a four seven, a four eight, and that's that's quick for a lineman. You have got you have three hundred pound guys that have very quick feet, or they. Pretty much can pace. They pretty much can pace the pass rushers' moves. So, with that being said, Arako didn't want to learn any other techniques to get around those those left tackles. So, I mean, what you expect? I mean, how can you refuse to learn something that can help you in your help you with your craft? You make a good point. Real quick, though, because I think we got about 10 minutes, and I know I want to take this time to, you know, talk about this. 
you know the Redskins were um, were on a bye, but now they're getting mm-hmm. ready to come back and they're getting ready to face uh, the New England Patriots. So my question to you, my friend, is how do you see this game going? Okay. They, a lot of people have the Redskins as a 13-point underdog. I'm actually shocked with that, like just 13 points. This is going to be a true test for every, all three phases of the Redskins game, offense, defense, and special teams. You have the New England Patriots who will be at home. The defense has to be ready for Tom Brady, meaning the defensive coordinator has to be ready for Tom Brady and the offensive coordinator. Special teams have to be flawless. I mean, can't give up, can't let Julie, Julian Elliman really kill him on a return game. Hell, not even on a receiving game. And they can't do stupid, they cannot have any dumb penalties. And for the biggest one, it's going to be, this is going to be the biggest test for Kirk Cousins and Jay Gruden. For Kirk Cousins, this is possibly the best defense he will face. He, he will face this season. People might say New England's defense is overrated, but it's still a good defense. This is a defense that can slow down a lot of teams, and they have. This will be his biggest test. Going into that very hostile environment, a foxhole. Going against a team that has been winning for the past 14 seasons. Being going in a head-to-head quarterback matchup with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Oh, a lot is riding right now on on this performance. This could be a make-or-break performance for Kirk Cousins. Even if the Redskins don't win, if he looks solid in that game, it will say a lot. He will earn levels of respect for me. That's what I will never give him. What are your let thoughts me break, on this? Let me break it down for you. If the Redskins want to either have a chance to pull off a monumental upset or lose with dignity and not get slaughtered, they have run the football. They have to control time of possession and keep that offense on the sideline as long as possible and give their defense plenty of rest so that they can keep up with guys like Julian Edelman, with uh, Gronk, with uh, that running game. They have to control the time of possession, which means they have to run the football. They can't abandon the run. They can't just expect Kurt to go out there and air it out. They have to utilize. They have to utilize uh, Trey Deuces, and they have to utilize Matt Jones. They have to. Alfred Morris, Chris, uh, Chris Thompson, and Matt Jones are gonna have to, you know, carry the load between the three of them and control the time of possession. Because if they don't, and they have a lot of three and outs and a lot of short drives, Tom Brady is going to absolutely murder them. And it is not it is going to be a slaughter in Foxborough like it was the last time the Redskins visited Foxborough in a regular season game. I remember that very well. Okay. I do, well, that running- I do too. I went, I went, I was going to summer uh, survivor series at uh, Verizon center that night. So I only watched like the first half and when it was a ass whooping like it was, I said, "Okay, it's time to go to Verizon and watch some wrestling." I still wore my jersey and everything, but man, we got we got handled. Okay, on a running the ball, I can understand why we haven't been successful with it lately. A lot of teams have stacked the box against us, meaning that we cannot run up the middle. <laughs> 
why ha- why did they why have a lot of these teams stacking box against us? Because they don't fear Kirk Cousins. Meaning they're challenging Kirk Cousins to beat them. The only way to keep the defense honest is for have is to have Kirk to throw deep. He's got to like he's going to have to loosen that defense up, even if he doesn't complete complete all his deep balls. He has to throw deep enough where the defense can actually back up from stacking a box. Right now he doesn't have that. He has a box that he has a, a full defensive line. He has he has nine he has eight to nine Bama's on the defensive line ready to stop the run. That's what a lot of teams have done against the Redskins these past few weeks. They have sacked the box, forcing Kirk Cousins to beat them. Challenging Kirk Cousins to beat them. So it's like it's not the fact that they're just abandoning the run, but well, they are. But at the same time, I understand one reason for the other reasons. I I don't understand because I mean, okay, you can't run in the middle, run up the middle. This is when you start switching your protection, switching your moving your offensive line to get your running backs to the outside. They stack the middle. That means you're not – they stack the line. That means you're not running up the middle. They also do need to use Chris Thompson more, especially in a passing game. Why? Because he's a great receiver out of the backfield. I mean, the, his matchups be against mostly linebackers who can't check him. Exploit that, exploit that more often. I think we're we're in agreement. They need to be a fully dimensional football team to stand a chance against such a powerhouse team as the Patriots. Period. Yeah, they they the Skins are going to have to play flawless to pull this off. If Kurt goes out and have a good game, then this will pretty much determine where he stands as a legitimate starting quarterback. The Tampa Bay hangover is over. It ended for me Monday morning. This is the New England Patriots. This is a different ball game. This is the team that's not going to let you come back from 24 nothing. This is a team that if they're up by 24, you better pray that they don't score no more. Because at the end of the day, even if they don't score no more, you're still going to lose by 24. Ugh, got a couple of minutes left, champ. Yeah, Actually, man. a minute and a half. Any final thoughts? Bottom line is, is that, you know, the season's starting to get to, you know, we're past the halfway point of the season. It's about time for teams to start really separating themselves from the pack and figuring out who's going to be contenders and who's going to be pretenders. And it starts, you know, this week. Hmm. Okay. Like I said, this is the real, this is the real, this is the make or break point of the NFL season. This is where teams really take off and prepare for playoff mode. It's, I mean, we still got we still got a lot of football left. This should be interesting, which it will be. We won't see we won't see a lot. We won't see teams scratching and clawing just to get into the postseason. Some teams are already there. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, it's been real, y'all. This has been another episode of the Skybox. This is your boy Chills. This is DC's People's Champ. We see you guys again next week. And make sure you tune in tomorrow night for for a mic check with myself, Chills, and the Bishop. Yeah. Oh, man. One more night with y'all.
Yep. We'll discuss it. We'll discuss this tomorrow. Yep. All right. Good night. We out of here. Enjoy your night. <laughs>